Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a cycle of life as we pick up in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 3. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. You look at life on just the human level as Solomon is looking at it. You look at man like an animal as Solomon does. You deny the spiritual dimension of man, that which places him apart from animals and above the animal kingdom. And you're opening Pandora's box to all kinds of psychological ills. You're opening to a life that can never be filled a life of vanity and vexation of spirit. And so we are looking now through the eyes of Solomon at the world under the sun, apart from God, man on the animal plane, and man at the highest on the animal plane is hopeless. It is not until you interject the spiritual plane and bring man into the divine plane that man can have any hope for a fulfilling, enriching, complete life. So, verse 3, What profit hath a man? And I promise we won't take so much time on the rest of the verses. (laughs) What profit hath the man in all of the labor which he taketh under the sun. Looking at a man and all of the things he's doing, all of the pursuits, all of the labor, what profit is there? And now he turns into the cycles of life. It seems that life just moves in cycles, monotonous cycles. You can't escape it. You're in the cycle, and someday you're just going to pass out of the cycle. One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and it comes back around to the place where it rose from. The wind goes towards the south, turns about, comes to the north. It whirls about continually. The wind returns again in its circuits. All of the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor, Man cannot understand it or utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. Life just moves in cycles. History repeats itself, and the cycles of life go on. The cycle of one generation following another. The earth spinning on its axis and and its relationship to the sun, the wind, the rivers. Life just moves in monotonous cycles. Is there anything whereof it may be said, look, this is new. Hey, it's already been from old time, which was before us. (laughs) There's nothing really (laughs) more discouraging than to think that you've got some new inspiration and revelation from God. Oh, this is great. No one's ever, you know, seen this before. Oh, what an understanding. And then you pick up some old commentary written by one of the saints back in 1849, and he, you know, says the same thing that you just discovered. 
There's nothing new. Life moves in cycles. There is no remembrance of the former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of the things that shall come with those that shall come after. Life just moves in cycles. Now, I, the preacher, the debater, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek out and to search out by wisdom concerning all of the things that were done under heaven. And this sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. And I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. That's one of your key phrases now. Life on the human plane, not on the divine, on the human plane, under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. Now, this is life on the human plane. If it's crooked, if a man's life is crooked, it can't be made straight. It is interesting that the Greek philosophers concluded that redemption of man was impossible. That once a man had gone wrong, gone bad, that there was no way of changing him. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. It is also very interesting to read of Jesus Christ in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, as he is proclaiming the new kingdom, or actually it is, is the words of the of the prophet uh, proclaiming the things of the kingdom as John the Baptist was declaring concerning the ministry of Jesus that was to come. He said, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and every hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough made smooth, the redemption through Jesus Christ, Luke 3, 5. But on the human level, no. On the divine level, you bet. I commune with my own heart. I wasn't communing with God. I wasn't seeking God. I was communing with my own heart. I was using now and exercising now earthly wisdom. He was in TM saying, Lo, I am come to a great estate. I have gotten more wisdom than all of they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yes, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. And I perceived that this also is frustrating or vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now, it is very interesting to me today as we study the evolutionary processes of the philosophical systems of man. A history of philosophy is an interesting course to take because as you follow the history of philosophy and see the development of the philosophical thought, we come finally to this present state of the philosophical thought expressed in existentialism that there is no universal base of good 
or evil. Every man must experience truth for himself, but there is no universal truth. The philosophers have concluded with all of their study that in reality is only despair. And reality will lead you to despair. Thus, the philosophers, being brought to despair by their philosophy, declare that it is necessary for each man to take his own leap of faith into unreality in order to escape the despair that only exists in reality. So you have to take a leap of faith hoping to have some kind of an experience that there is no way of rationalizing or explaining. That's why TM is so popular today. It's the leap of faith into a non-reasoned religious experience. That's why your Eastern religions are so popular today and gaining popularity because they are a leap of faith into non-reasoned religious experience, which philosophy has taught us is necessary because with much knowledge is much sorrow. They've come to the same conclusion that Solomon came two years ago. Years ago, before the whole history of philosophy ever began, Solomon had gone through the whole system of thought that has brought philosophy through its whole history to this final conclusion that Solomon reached thousands, couple, you know, 3,000 years ago. That in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now, as kids, we used to understand a certain aspect of the futility of education. We used to write in our textbooks, the more you study, the more you learn, the more you learn, the more you forget, the more you forget, the less you know, so what's the use of studying? <laughs> Solomon said, hey, with much understanding, increasing your knowledge is only going to increase your sorrows. So I said in my heart, go to now. I'm going to prove thee with pleasure, with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But behold, this was vanity. So we read in the New Testament, the epistle of John, all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are the aspects of the world by which man is seeking to find an answer, a fulfillment. These are the things that Solomon searched out. As you follow his search, it was in the lust of his flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the pride of life. He came to the conclusion that these things are all empty. First of all, the lust of the flesh, giving myself over to pleasure. But behold, it was empty. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of the joy, the pleasures, the mirth, what does it do? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. 
yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men that they should do under the heaven all of the days of their life. So he got into the lust of the eyes. I built me great works, beautiful homes. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and orchards. I planted trees with all kinds of fruits, the made pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees. All of these beautiful gardens and buildings and all. And then the pride of life, I got servants and maidens. I had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. Great Abundance of cattle. Do you realize that every day, in order to feed his household, his family, and his servants, that it took 10 prime beef and 20 commercial grade beef every day? A hundred lambs a day? That's 36,000 a year. That's over 10,000 beef that he slaughtered just for his servants and his family needs every year. Plus all of the fowl and the deer and the roebuck and so forth that were killed just to take care of the appetites of his family and of his servants. Well, to have a thousand wives, you've got to feed them. You know, and they've got kids, they've got to be fed. And then they each have to have their servants. 30 beef a day. So I, he was I, right when he said, I had cattle more than anybody who was in Jerusalem before me. I gathered also silver and gold. In Chronicles, we read that he made silver as common as the stones in Jerusalem. Now, you that have been to Jerusalem <laughs> know what a stony place that is. And he made silver as common as the stones in Jerusalem. There in Chronicles, fourth chapter, it tells about that. Or Second Chronicles 9.27 is where he talks about the silver. I brought treasures of the kings and of the provinces. I developed choirs, men and women singers, the delights of the sons of men, great orchestra, all kinds of musical instruments of all sorts. So I was great, pride of life, I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. He was a botanist, a zoologist. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Now notice that. Who could say this? And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. Very few people can make that kind of a statement. 
You have to have, really, the wealth of Solomon and all to be able to say that. It seems to us there's always that, you know, if I only, if I only, if I only. And, and we aren't able to fulfill all of the desires of our eyes. We go down and we, and we see a beautiful yacht and we think, oh, my, if I only had that yacht, you know. With Solomon, buy it. You know, I mean, he didn't withhold anything. Whatever he desired, whatever he wanted, he had. Very few men can say that. Oh, I would be so happy. Oh, man, I'd be so satisfied. Was he? Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. No profit in any of it. It was empty. I was still empty. I was still frustrated. You see, this is life on the human level. This is the denying of the spiritual nature. It is trying to live your life apart from God trying to find satisfaction and meaning apart from God. You'll never do it. So I turned myself to behold the wisdom and madness and folly. For what can a man do that cometh after the king? What can anybody do after me? I mean, I've done it all. Even that which hath been already done. There's nothing left. I did it all. And then I saw that wisdom excels folly as far as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And I perceived also that one event happens to them all. I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, so it happens even to me. So why am I any wiser? With all of my wisdom, I can't prolong my life. With all of the understanding and knowledge that I have, I, I can't prolong life. I'm going to die just like the fool out there who doesn't know anything. He's going to die, I'm going to die, and when we die, it's all over. So what good is it to have all of the wisdom that I have? Because we're coming towards the grave, both of us together. We're both going to die. My wisdom is going to keep me from death. How dies the wise man? As the fool. Then I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, so it happens even to me, so why am I any wiser? Then I said in my heart, this also is emptiness, for there is no remembrance of the wise any more than the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall be forgotten. And how dies the wise man as the fool? Therefore, I hated life. Now, hey, wait a minute. This is the guy that has everything. This is the guy who, who has every kind of pleasure, every kind of possession that you could possibly hope to have. Anything under the sun, he's got it. And what does he say? I hated life. Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. 
for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yes, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I was going to have to leave it unto the man that shall be after me, and who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Everything that I've built, everything that I've amassed, everything that I've done, I'm going to die and going to have to leave it to some nut. And I don't know if the guy's going to be wise or foolish. He may just go out and, and look at the history. Rehoboam, his son, left the throne and all to Rehoboam. What did he do? He no sooner gets on the throne than he angers the tribes of the north and they have a revolution and, and he loses the kingdom and starts downhill. The whole glory that Solomon had built up, his son, dumb, foolish actions, blew it. And so Solomon's worries were not really unfounded. His son was a fool. Return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Ecclesiastes on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Ecclesiastes 1 through 2 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and strengthen you for this week. May the anointing of God's Holy Spirit rest upon your life. And through His beauty, may your life shine forth. May God cause the fullness of His Spirit to rest upon you And may your life be a strong testimony and a witness to those around of the grace and the love of our Lord. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As we look back over the roadmap of our lives, we often see the value of troubled times, personal trials, and even the experiences of pain or the death of a loved one. 
These are the building blocks that establish God's plan for us. It is with great honor that I'm pleased to introduce Pastor Chuck Smith's autobiography entitled A Memoir of Grace. You're invited to pull up a chair and listen as Pastor Chuck shares his personal story of how God's grace prepared him for life's purposes. Perhaps as you're reading this story, you'll be prompted to evaluate your own past, your present situation, and that which is yet to happen, and realize that it all plays a part in establishing God's plan for you. See God's grace at work in your own life when you order a personal copy of A Memoir of Grace by Pastor Chuck. God called me into the ministry and how God has just led us step by step. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD.